Good morning, church. Wow, such a joy and a delight to see all of you on Resurrection Sunday. How many of you know Jesus is alive? He has risen. He has risen. And that's why we're here to celebrate. And this morning is my joy and privilege to be able to share with you uh, God's Word. Now, I want to invite us now just to bow and we're going to talk to God before I talk to you. Father, thank you for your wonderful presence in our midst. And I pray this morning that you will anoint your servant so that I may deliver your word clearly to your people. Lord, I pray that you, we will all walk out of this hall inspired because we serve a risen Savior, a God who is alive, a God who is here to meet us at our point of need, a God who is here to save and to restore. And I commit this time now to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, the pyramids of Egypt are famous because they contain the mummies of the ancient kings. Westminster Abbey in London is visited because it has the bodies of famous Englishmen buried there. The tomb of the Chinese emperor, Emperor Qing Shi Huang, was well known around the world because of the terracotta soldiers, right? They are buried in, uh, over there. The tomb of Muhammad is noted for the stone coffin and the bones that it contains. But I want you to know that the garden tomb of Jesus Christ is famous because it is empty. It is empty. Why? Because Jesus has risen. And this is the event that changed our world. What is it about the resurrection that brought about such a change? What does the resurrection really mean for you, for me? This morning, in the time that I have, I want to outline for you, and both, whether you are here for the first time or you have been a Christian for a long, long time, you listen to me. The, the resurrection is one of the most significant events in the church. And here's the reason why. I give you seven things about the resurrection. Why is the resurrection so life-transforming? Why is it so important to the church? Number one is this. It proves the, resur it, it proves the existence of God. The resurrection proved the existence of God. Why do I say that? Now, the existence of God has been an issue of great debate. Now, there has been many, many hints of the existence of God, ranging from, um, from nature to creation, etc. And we all talk about that, the, 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 the existence of God. But there is no empirical evidence. You know, and we, we, we have read about the cases of people being resuscitated after they have died uh, for a few hours. But I want you to know this. Jesus was in the tomb for three days and three nights. He was wrapped in grave clothes. He, he had a badly injured body. He was checked and certified to be truly dead by the Roman soldiers. He was sealed in a tomb with a one, two tons stone. He was totally cut off, in other words, from anyone who could actually help him. And therefore, can I say this to you? There is no other way for Jesus to be resuscitated except by the power of God. Amen. Only the power of God could raise someone like that from the dead, totally cut off from humankind, totally wrapped up, totally encased, and yet he was raised. And that's why the Bible never used the phrase, Jesus rose from the dead. Do you know that? It never used that phrase. It always says, God raised him from the dead. 
Jesus, the resurrection was not something that Jesus did. It was something that God did. Acts chapter 2, verse 24 tell us this, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible. Everybody say impossible. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Acts chapter 2, verse 32 tell us this, God have raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Acts chapter 3, verse 15, you killed the author of life, Peter said, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And ladies and gentlemen, to raise Jesus from the dead, God must exist. And the resurrection proved the existence of God. Hallelujah. Only the existence of God can adequately explain what happened on Resurrection Sunday. And how many of you agree that if there is a God, then we must come to Him. We must know Him and we must worship Him. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 9, anyone who has seen me have seen the Father. And he said in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. The resurrection proved the existence of God. Here's number two. It shows the triumph of good over evil. Do you know if the story of Jesus ended with the crucifixion, then injustice has prevailed right? If then evil would have triumphed over good. Darkness have overcome light and bad things have happened to another good person. If Jesus did not resurrect, how can I even persuade you that, there, that good can triumph over evil? If Jesus did not rise again, then there is no moral order in this world. But if Jesus is not risen, then it is not a good Friday. It's a bad Friday. How many of you agree? But because He has risen, that's why we said it is a good Friday. And that is why the Apostle Paul told us in no uncertain terms that if Christ has not risen from the dead, our faith is in vain. So you read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13 and 14. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. The cross, without the resurrection, brothers and sisters, will demolish our faith. But if Christ has indeed risen from the dead, then you and I can firmly declare good has triumphed over evil. Light has conquered darkness. Love has won over hate. Hallelujah. Philip Brooks said it so beautifully. Tomb, thou shalt not hold him any longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark is the light. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Faith and hope, triumphant said, Christ has risen on Easter day. Hallelujah. Christ has risen. The resurrection sealed it. Now we know there is moral order in this universe. And that is why we excitedly greet one another on Easter Sunday like this, right? Jesus has risen. And then you all said, He has risen indeed. He has risen indeed. Here's number three, very important. It overrode the finality of death. The resurrection overrode the finality of death. Have you ever seen a dead body up close? Have you? 
No, I have. I've seen relatives. I've seen friends. I've seen even church members die up front and personal. I've seen dead bodies. And I'll tell you one thing about dead bodies. They look very final. Am I right? They look really final. There's, some, there's a finality about death. Everything about a dead body shouts at us, it is finished. It is over. This is the end. Even though, as human beings, we often try to deny it. But I'm a Chinese, right? And I know this for a fact. Every Chinese funeral, do you know? The Chinese people would actually spend a lot of money burning stuff, you know? Uh, of course, made of paper. But, you know, burning stuff like cars, houses, credit cards. They burn mobile phones, you know, paper ones. Even nowadays, they, they burn Netflix subscription. <laughs> you know? <laughs> why? Why do we do that? I'll tell you why. Because we, we think that life will go on after the funeral is over. They hope that life, the, life, the, the life they know will go on and the funeral is over. The ancient kings wanted to be buried with their wives and their, their servants and their horses. Why do they want to go on living their kingly lifestyle after death? But I'll tell you one thing, that can never be because there's a finality about death. And i got news for you. Everybody dies, right? The rich people die. The poor people also die. The educated people die. The illiterate also die. The famous people die. The unknown people also die. The good-looking ones die. Sorry, then They die. <laughs> the ugly ones, you know, also die. <laughs> we all die. Ultimately, everybody dies. And at the end of the road of life, guess what? Death is waiting. And one day, your heart will stop beating. Right? Your, your, the music will stop playing. One day, the party will come to an end. It will always come to an end. Death seemingly is the full stop to life. But I tell you one thing, brothers and sisters. The cross of Calvary changed everything. Why? Because Jesus not only died on the cross, He rose again. And He overruled the finality of death. And I tell you now, death is no longer a full stop. It is a comma. Death is no longer a termination. It is a transition into eternity. It's just that the nine months that we stay in our mother's womb, you know, it is not an end in itself. It is a preparation for life. And because Jesus has risen, life has overcome death. And we follow a living Savior today. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54 to 56, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, Dr. David Simeons, a missionary in Africa, talks about how he met a Muslim who actually converted to Christianity. So he asked this Muslim man, what make you become a Christian? And this Muslim man replied very simply. He says, well, it's really simple. If you go down a road that forked into two directions and you don't know which way to go, but there are two men at the road. One is dead, the other is alive. Which one will you ask 
which way do I go? The answer is obvious, right? You never ask a dead person, which way do I go? You ask the one who is alive. And I want you to know Jesus has risen and He is alive. You can come to Him this morning and you ask Him, which way do I go? And He will tell you in no uncertain terms, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. The story of every man's life is the same. He lived and then he died. Only Jesus' story is different. He died and he lives again forever. And because Jesus rose again, we know now that death is not the end. The resurrection overrode the finality of death. Here's number four. It declares to all of us the deity of Christ. The deity of Christ. When one studies the major religions of the world, we will discover that one distinctive that Christianity has is that we have a founder who claims to be God. Every other religions are founded by prophets who point others to their God. But when Jesus claims to be the Son of God, when Jesus said He's one with the Father, His family thought He was insane. The religious leaders called Him a blasphemer. The authorities thought that he was a power-hungry criminal, and so they crucified him. They thought that they would silence him forever. They thought that they had demolished all his claims to deity. Even his own disciples thought that Jesus could be wrong when they saw him dying on that cross. But when Jesus rose again from the dead, none of his disciples ever questioned his deity again. They know that they know Jesus is God. It was His resurrection that sealed His deity once and for all. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, my friends, is so important because it tells us once and for all in no uncertain terms, oh, Jesus is God Himself. He is God. Here's the next one. I think the resurrection of Christ confirms the prophecies of God. There are some Psalms in the Bible that are classified Messianic Psalms, and we all know that, right? There are Psalms that prophesy directly about the suffering, about the resurrection, about the victory of the Messiah. One example, King David wrote in Psalm 16. This is way back in the Old Testament. Psalm 16, verse 9, 10. Therefore, he said, my heart is glad my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of dead. And he's prophesying about the Jesus who is to come. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. Nor will you let your faithful one see decay. When the psalmist declared in Psalm 16 verse 10 that the Father will not allow the body of Christ to see decay. Why did he say that? It's because our Lord Jesus Christ is totally pure and decay and purity cannot come together. And that is why God will raise Jesus from the dead by the third day, which is when decay begins to set into a dead body. And God will not allow decay and purity to coexist. And that's why He must raise Him up before the third day, right? And, and that's why God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. And the question one can ask is this, if God will not let Jesus see decay, then why let him die in the first place? 
If you are going to raise him from the dead, then why let him die? Here's the thing. Listen carefully. When, where, what is death anyway? When does death actually happen? Is it when the brain stops? Is it when the heart stops? Is it when we stop breathing? But can I suggest all these are just symptoms of death. The real essence of death is separation. What is death? The real essence of death is separation. When you die, you are separated man from man. We are separated man from God. What is death all about? It is really about a separation. Separation from God, separation from man. And that is what Jesus was going through on the cross. On the cross, Jesus went through separation from God. In the tomb, he went through separation from man. For what? It's so that you and I need never go through it again. In Mark chapter 15, verse 33 to 35, listen to this. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Why? Because at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elo, Elo, Lema, Sabatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On that cross, when Jesus took on the sin of the world, he was separated from a holy God, his Father. And for the first time in, in his life, Jesus, in his existence, I, I can't even say existence because Jesus existed all the time, right? For the first time, the Father and the Son were separated. For what? For you, for me. He took the sin, our sin, on, his, on himself. And in that tomb, you're separated from men so that you and I need never go through it again. And because Jesus is pure towards God, God will not allow him to see decay. That's why death could not hold him. And on the third day, God said, it is enough. And he raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. Question, huh? Did you know that this was actually an act of prophecy? Not just in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament. Jesus said to his own disciples in Matthew chapter 20, verse 17 to 19, listen to how Jesus predicted this. He said, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, and on the way, he took the 12 aside, and he said to them, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, referring to himself, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. But on the third day, hallelujah, he will be raised to life. And how many of you know it happened? It was a fulfillment of prophecy. The resurrection was a fulfillment of both Old Testament and New Testament prophecy. If you ever doubt that there is a God who knows the end from the beginning, take a look at the resurrection. He proved it once and for all. Here's one more. It extends, the resurrection extends the scope of our salvation. Brothers and sisters, are you excited getting so far? This is, this is, this is so important. This is what Res Resurrection Sunday is all about. It's all of these things. And here's one more. It extends the scope of our salvation. The resurrection takes our salvation beyond the past into the present and then into the future. The resurrection extended that scope. Why do I say that? By his death on the cross, Jesus, through the shedding of his blood, made it possible for all of our past sins to be forgiven. 
thank God for that. The penalty of our sin has been paid because the blood was shed. But because He rose again by His resurrection, He made it possible for you and I not just to be saved from the penalty of sin in the past, but He gave us power over sin for the present. Today, you have power over sin for the present. He saved us from the penalty of sin by His death on the cross. He saved us from the power of sin by His resurrection to life. And one day, God is going to come back again. Jesus will come back again and He will save us from the presence of sin forever and ever. And that is when our salvation will be complete. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, listen to this. Because Jesus lives forever, in other words, because Jesus resurrected, He has a permanent priesthood, and therefore He is able to save completely. He is able to save utterly those who come to Him uh, because He always lived to intercede for them. Do you know that if Jesus only died on the cross, He took care of all of our past sins but we may not have power to overcome sin today. But praise God, Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And today, brothers and sisters, you can live in victory. You don't have to live with your struggles and your sin. You don't have to live in defeat anymore. You don't have to live with that habit that seemingly cannot be broken. You don't have to live with that anger that never seemed to go away. You don't have to live with that guilt that, you, that you're struggling with all the time. I want you to know He is alive and His life made it possible for us to live in victory. Today, His Holy Spirit has been given to enable us to walk in sanctification. He promised us that one day He will return and He will remove sin forever and ever. What a salvation. We don't have a dead Savior for the past. We have a risen Savior for our present and we have a coming King for our future. Hallelujah. Are you excited? <laughs> You know, I don't know about you, but I think about this and I say, wow, what a saviour. Today, if you lack purity, he is my purity. If I lack righteousness, he is my righteousness. If I don't have peace, he is my peace. If I am hurt, he is my comfort. If I am sick, he is my healer. He is my all in all. And Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and he gave himself for me. The resurrection seals this truth. And the salvation Jesus came to bring is complete and total. Hallelujah. He can save us past, present, and future, spirit, soul, and body. That leads me to my final point. Do you know, when Jesus rose again from the dead, it starts the recreation of God. It starts the recreation of God. One of the distinctives of the Christian faith is this. We don't despise the physical. We believe that both the material and the immaterial parts of man are from God. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, it tells us firstly, God is not only interested in saving my soul, but He is also wanting to save my body. He wants to redeem us spirit, soul, and body. That's why we believe in the resurrection of the body. 
I'm waiting for that. Jesus left behind his old grave clothes, right, in the tomb. Why? Because he now got a new body. And that body is one that can go through walls and doors, and that new body is immortal. And this is what, brothers and sisters, you and I are looking forward to. If you are dead, that's what the dead people are waiting for. You know what they're waiting for? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, 51 to 57. Listen, this is your hope. This is your blessed hope. You must know it, brothers and sisters. You must know it and embrace it and know it. And here's, here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, this is what we're looking for. Listen, Paul said, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. In other words, we will not all die, but we will all be changed. Because when Jesus comes back again, some people will still be alive, right? So not all will die, but we will all be changed. When Jesus comes back in the flesh, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and then what will happen? The dead in Christ will rise imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where, oh, death is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, He gave us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when Jesus rose again on the, on the first Easter 2,000 years ago, it was only the first fruit of a great harvest. And we know that the recreation of God has begun. You know why? Because Jesus has already resurrected. He's our first fruit. He's the first to rise from the dead. And He has already resurrected with a new immortal body, which tells us this, so will you and I. I am looking forward to that day when the trumpet will sound and the dead will rise from immortality to immortality. I'm waiting for that day. Jesus is now recreating all of us. Resurrection is recreation. How is this going to happen for you? Listen to me. You can become a new creation today if you are willing to say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross. God have raised you from the dead to be my living saviour. You can forgive me of all my past sin. You can give me your Holy Spirit. Set me free from the need to go on sinning. And you will come back again to deliver me from the presence of sin forever. This morning, you can have a living hope because Jesus rose again from the dead. We have this blessed hope that Jesus will come back again. And on that day, my friends, the trumpet will sound and we will be raised to be with Christ for eternity. That's what we are waiting for. I leave you with this, and then we're going to pray. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14, summarized this so well for us. Listen to this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. 
the grace of God has appeared and His name is Jesus. He appeared for the first time to redeem us from our sin. And then He gave us His Holy Spirit to reform us from the inside out. And we are now all waiting for that blessed hope of His second coming where He will reward us with eternal life. On Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus shed His blood and declared our forgiveness. When He said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And on that cross, Jesus took our punishment that we can have His life. He took our sins so that we can have His forgiveness. He took our pain so that we can have His healing. He took our sorrows that we can have His joy. He took our fears so that we can have His hope. My debt has been paid in full, cancelled by forgiveness. And He sealed it for eternity with His resurrection. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, this morning you can put your faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Romans 6.23 says, For the penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, if you are here and you are not yet received Christ as your Saviour, I want you to know this, you need not work for your salvation. You don't have to. In fact, we can never make it, right? All we need to do is turn away from all of our wrongdoings, of all of our sin, believe in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And today, you can receive this free gift of salvation. And His resurrection has proven that all this is true. It's an old song that I used, we used to sing. I love so much. It goes like this, right? He paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to actually wash my sins away. But now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. He didn't give to me alone. He gave Himself, now He's my own. He's gone to heaven to make a place for me. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. And that's true. He paid a debt for you that you could never pay. And that's what the good news is all about. It's not by our own works, it's by His grace. And the grace of God has appeared to offer salvation to us. Not only that, grace of God has given us His Spirit so today we can live in victory. Amen. Amen. He has risen. He is alive. Hallelujah. Won't you stand to your feet with me? Why don't we all stand together? I'm going to invite you to take a moment that not to rush. If you could just stay where you are and allow the Holy Spirit to just minister to us. This morning, I'm going to give two calls. Firstly, I want to speak to those of you, maybe this is the first time you're here, maybe it's many times, but you have never personally opened your heart to let Jesus come into your life. 
and become your personal saviour. Today, I want to offer you that opportunity where you can do that. The second call I want to make is for every one of us. I want you to know that we serve a risen saviour. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can quicken our mortal bodies. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now given to us so that we can live in victory. You don't have to keep on living with your defeat. You don't have to keep on living with that anger that binds you, that guilt that that holds you. You don't have to keep on living with that sense of defeat, but we can live in victory because Christ has risen. And I believe God is here to minister to us. You have situations and circumstances that seem so dead that there is no life. I want you to know the resurrection life of God is here and He can and He can breathe life into our dead situations and circumstances and God is here to minister to us. So if you are ready, I'd like you to pray out loud together with me, okay? And you make this your prayer. And congregation, why don't you join in as well? Just encourage our brothers and sisters that are here in front, okay? So would you just bow your hearts and then you pray this prayer after me. You say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner. There are many sins in my life. But this morning, I hear your word that promised me that Jesus died for my sins and He can forgive me. So this morning, I turn away from all of my wrongdoing and I ask you to forgive me. I open up my heart and welcome you into my life. I make you my Lord and my Saviour. I claim the promise in your Bible. If I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, then I'm safe. This morning, I believe and I confess Jesus is Lord. Thank you for saving me. Help me from this day on to know you and to walk with you. In Jesus' name, Amen. You believe that prayer? If you believe that prayer, if someone come to you today and say, are you a Christian? What's your answer? Say yes, because I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. You know?